to talk to you about this because I think that even though we're not going to talk specifically about China or we can talk about China as well, I think you have really good input when it comes to how to address these issues in an intersectional way and multiculturally. Um, yeah, so for those listening, you can briefly introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Olga Savash. I teach psychology at Bennington College, and I also am a researcher. And in some of my research, I focus on gender, feminism, and activism. More broadly, my research focuses on identities or identification processes and life stories, including life stories of feminists from uh, different countries. So my connection to feminism of course, predates my research or my relationship to it through my research. Um, so I grew up in Turkey and pretty much at a very young age, I was introduced to feminism through my mom. So she was, my mom was very determined that she would not let things that happened to her, you know, happening to her daughters. Uh, I also have a sister. So my mom, when she was about to go to college, a military coup happened in Turkey. And this was in the 1980s, uh, the early 80s. And the universities then in Turkey were sites for conflict for between the left and right or that's at least how it's how the story is told. And the patriarchs of my family, my uh, mom's grandpa and her father, did not let her attend to college because they thought it wasn't safe for a girl child to go to college in the midst of it. So I grew up to grew up listening to my mom's story. But when I got in college later, that was my first introduction to feminism in a more organized way, attending to meetings for social actions, attending to take back the night walks, feminist marches, rallies, and organizing those with other women. So it wasn't only feminism anymore, in a sense, it was feminist activism. It turned into feminist activism. Um, yeah, so that's my, that's the beginnings of my connection to feminism and how I got into this work. Making connections worldwide is, is very important, but it wasn't, when I first came to the US, it didn't come to me easily. The skill set that I had, the issues that I was thinking about when I was in Turkey, that was, all of a sudden became not applicable to here. And I had to relearn everything from scratch. I had to constantly question my positionality and who I am talking to, you know, who I am interacting with. And also like not only in the US, but also when I go back to Turkey, it wasn't easy anymore. And I also like not only because of my identities, in this like constant, you know, shifting of identities, but also because of the privileges that I bring with me now, like when I'm, you know, when I'm coming from the US uh, to Turkey, it was also different. And also the distance, the time, the the place, it all changes. And, and you don't have access to this to information in the same way that you did before when you were a local so my connection to feminism in turkey changed since i you know became like you know since since i started living in the u.s but also it wasn't easy for me to connect with the feminist activism in the u.s when i first came and yeah it was a constant questioning of positionalities when i first came 
I was planning to look at divisions within feminisms in Turkey, so like differences or divisions within pious Muslim women and secular women and Kurdish and Turkish feminist uh, movements in Turkey. I was interested in understanding, you know, the, the tensions and the, the struggles, you know, why, like, you know, they don't always get along and what are the differences in terms of what is at stake for feminism for these different groups. But then what ended up happening was in 2016, I was about to go to Turkey to do research on this and it coup happened another coup happened <laughs> and so or it was a coup attempt and so i ended up not being able to go and stay in the u.s and started doing research here but i was lucky because at the time at university of michigan there was this uh collaborative project which is called global feminisms project people can check out there's a website if you google global feminisms project you can uh see that and it, it includes interviews with women from all around the world from india nicaragua Brazil, Russia, China, Germany. So I started working in this project. As I started working in it, my feminist analysis improved and expanded in so many different ways by seeing the connections, you know, like how these women uh, talked about, you know, their stories and how similar their stories were, but also how different they were from each other. Uh, so that was really eye-opening and that, in a way, made me realize that all the issues that Turkish feminists or Kurdish feminists and all the feminists in Turkey have been thinking about and struggling with are actually women all around the world and feminized bodies all around the world experience in different ways, in one way or another. So that was helpful to see. And then I guess my structural analysis expanded in terms of seeing these divisions between the global south and global north, being able to, you know, see how privilege plays a role in terms of like the differences between wealthy nations uh, and others and how that affects women's activism. So for me, for example, in the U.S., I am an immigrant, but I'm also white passing. So it's important for me to understand this and acknowledge with this when I'm working with women of color in the U.S. and understanding the uniqueness of their experience. On the other hand, I expect a feminist in the U.S. who is white passing but a citizen to understand the uniqueness of my experience. Yet another context, when I go to Turkey and work with feminists there, I'm bringing, bringing certain privileges that stems from living in the U.S. and working in the U.S. with me and also being a citizen of Turkey, but not being a local anymore. So constantly reflecting on these positionalities and understanding, you know, where I stand in terms of my multiple marginalizations and privileges. I guess it's a practice people cultivate over time or you can cultivate over time. It's It requires a lot of self-reflexivity and constantly thinking about, you know, what uh, your identities mean depending on the context. It's also important to ask who is the subject of feminism? Who is feminism for or feminisms uh, for and how do we work together? So feminism doesn't have the most inclusive history. It hasn't always been you know inclusive everywhere in the world or in fact it doesn't have an inclusive history anywhere in the world it always had these divisions working class women did not always feel welcome to the you know uh, feminist movements black women did not always in the u.s but not also only in the u.s also in brazil and in other places did not feel welcome to feminist movements trans individuals did not always feel welcome and so and and we can we can proliferate these examples 
So how can we make our activist spaces more inclusive of those bodies who have been historically excluded uh, becomes the question. If you're thinking about, you know, culture and nations and the connection, like connections globally, one of the biggest issues for me is, well, this is kind of similar in research to what we call in cultural psychology, methodological nationalism. It's the mistake of equating nations with the cultures, right? So sometimes we do this in feminism too. Instead of understanding the issues of patriarchy and heteronormativity to be about institutions, we make the mistake of blaming them onto culture. And even people who come from those cultures sometimes do the same mistake without realizing that it's problematic. So I'm hoping this becomes something that we can talk more about in the future. You know, how can we understand patriarchy to be about institutions? And actually, the one way of being able to do this to to work across across our differences, you know, as the more we read about, the more we collaborate uh, with women from other countries, the more we understand that some of the issues that we're dealing with are similar issues. And so then it becomes, you know, less about the culture, but more, you know, helps us develop this understanding of institutions as the problematic in a better way. Being truly just unapologetic about your culture and who you are, the spaces that you go in and out is really important. But also, I guess it starts with the person really understanding what culture and history means. I guess if you know your history better and the history of feminist movements in your country better, the better you're able to advocate for where you're coming from and what it really means in the larger, you know, context. But then also maybe keeping the connections alive, you know, sometimes it becomes easier as you move across the world and like, you know, live in different places to lose some of the local connections that you, you know, cherish. And so keeping and recreating those connections and, you know, making those connections is is important. That reminds you maybe, you know, about that place and uh, the issues of the place as you go to other places. The most important thing is maybe doing less talking and more listening and understanding their positionality and what is available to them and what they are doing within their local context with what is available to them. I did not do much work in China, but definitely uh, there are interviews from China in the in the data set and in the website. I started working in the global feminisms uh, and. I guess in 2013, and I did my master's thesis from that project. So I looked at interviews from Nicaragua, India, US, and China, but I looked at it from a different lens, I, from a psychologist's uh, lens, rather than doing a sociocultural analysis. What I was interested in, how these women talked about their narratives of becoming a feminist activist and how it intersected with the life stages at which they became a feminist. And so what I found was, and I published this work, women who, and as girls who grew up under oppressive regimes, who became a feminist around at an early age, for them, their feminism was more 
and activism was more like a natural thing to them that that was always the background that was always you know there the case for them and for women who became an activist during their adolescence or young adulthood years it became a very important part of their identity and for those who were who became activists at an older age as adult women it was more like a behavioral change for them it wasn't an identity they did not necessarily identify as a feminist or it didn't define them it wasn't a definitive thing but it was more like they changed their actions and behaviors and and they were still doing very important work and it, it was interesting to see like a lot of the chinese feminists were that way in in that you know data set that i looked at they a lot of them became feminists at a later age and for them it was a set of behavioral changes rather than a you know a, like a, an identification at the core like personal level when i look at my own journey too i guess i was a little bit condescending towards feminism at a, at a younger age like i did not necessarily it wasn't necessarily important for me but i guess i grew up at a time in turkey where um recep tayyip erdogan who is still our president who has been the president for 20 years now uh, he became president in 2002 and so i was a young person then i was an adolescent when he was elected as So like in the light of my own research when I think about it it was a very in, important thing for me that marked me during my formative years that you know his presidency and his regime was so obvious in the ways they implemented policies that took women's rights away and all the historic gains of the women's movement uh, away like in in one in one night I had no choice but to be involved at that point uh like at that age and I, like feminism became an important part of my journey. From the time Recep Tayyip Erdogan's party came into power, they dismantled every single institution that specifically focused on women uh, and women's rights and turned these governmental structures into structures about the family. But they made it in a way that sounded like they're taking care of women but actually it was reducing women and their value into their reproductive capacities and so i think this is happening in a lot of other places in the world too and this is something we have to discuss and understand better well erdogan had himself had a famous speech in early 2000s i uh, don't remember the exact year of course but he demanded that every woman should have at least three if not five children and so they dismantled all the institutions he he talked a lot about women and he made it sound like he cared about women and some people believed in this but actually it's in a very you know specific way that reduces women into you know mothers or their value into being mothers also yeah like you mentioned Istanbul convention during their administration there has been a significant increase in violence against women and the number of femicides recently david drew from uh, istanbul convention which is this treaty among european nations for preventing and fighting against uh, domestic violence so the fact that they withdrew from this treaty speaks volumes about not only their inaction to prevent violence but also they the fact that they encourage violence in my family growing up like observing different sides of my family 
I was able to see different discourses playing out within my family in terms of feminism. Like I had these aunts who are really secular and like arguing for against, you know, Muslim feminists, or they couldn't wrap their heads around like that a woman can be a Muslim and a feminist at the same time. On the other hand, I had these members of family who are working class and, you know, who are working in factories and struggling and, you know, with the economic exploitation. So growing up, like observing all these differences, I guess, all these um, systemic issues playing out, I was aware pretty much that there's not like one way that a person experiences oppression. And so I guess that that clicked for me. And I was saying earlier, in terms of economic systems, one thing that is important to keep in mind is that women became ideal subjects of neoliberalism. When we talk about feminism, there is not one feminism, but there are feminisms. And the way women understand this issue also changed. Like today, pretty much everyone can call themselves a feminist pretty comfortably, but we're not talking about the same thing whenever we're talking about feminism. So corporate feminisms, like consumerism and how, you know, consumerism plays into feminism and feminist identification. I think these are also issues that we can, you know, highlight more and think about more it puts a lot of pressure on the individual and that's exactly why it's neoliberal it expects the change to come from individual women rather than you know creating structural change and institutional change and so that's exactly why it's problematic yeah i think everyone should do just whatever they feel comfortable doing but it's also good to get out of our comfort zone sometimes so Definitely, I would say, get involved wherever you are, you know, make noise and just get on the (laughs) streets and get like, yeah, do something. But I think when we're engaging and when we're being, you know, feminists or being feminist activists, again, maybe some of the issues that we talked about earlier, constant self-reflection is one really important thing. Understanding your positionality and other people's positionalities and listening and reflecting. Understanding that you may be wrong and accepting your mistakes, apologizing. These are really important personal qualities for everyone who's involved in one way or another. And we talked about understanding differences and similarities. So understanding that we all share some you know, common problems across the globe. And we're all dealing with patriarchy or heteronormativity in one way or another. But then also understanding our differences is also important and different structures that we all are dealing with. And maybe when we're working together, one thing to focus on is helping create structures and institutions that are sustainable and rather than talking about again we mentioned culture and you know within neoliberalism putting the burden on the individual rather than putting the burden and the blame on the individuals and on the culture really creating sustainable change through institutions and yeah finding ways of doing these things i know these are big things and we're not all gonna go from monday to another go do these things but those are the ways I tend to see the issues. Because when we talk about feminism, sometimes, you know, it becomes part of the culture wars in everywhere too. Like whenever you position yourself as a feminist, you become one side of 
a debate and it, it decreases your chances of being able to talk to certain people. And so at those times, I think it's really important to be strategic and not necessarily make it about identities, but more about the connections and actions. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak with you.